everybody, and welcome to the third episode of Adventures at Witchy Woods. We are excited to join you this week, and let's get to know our growing zone and some other information that we're learning here at Witchy Woods. Before we start talking about growing zones and what we're growing up here and our garden, I want to give you guys a little bit of an update about our birds. It seems that between the weather and some normal pegging order things, um, we have lost several more birds and um, it's kind of disheartening because I want them all to survive and thrive and be happy and healthy but unfortunately we've lost some um, due to the severe cold weather and we are doing everything we can to keep them warm we have heat lamps going um, they are put shut up in the coop during the day or at night and I'm sorry not during the day um, but yeah it's sometimes one wanders off and just gets too cold and doesn't uh, come back to the flock to get warm and that'll cause them to pass or um, they can get trampled by the other ones, the other birds um, and or there's a pecking order thing and I think that's what happened to a couple of our turkeys is that there was a pecking order and they weren't just they just weren't the ones that were on the top of that order and so unfortunately we did lose some birds we still have the majority of the flock and um, we're doing all we can to keep those birds happy and healthy and hoping that the weather takes a little bit of a turn for the better and we can get some real spring going here without such cold cold nights um, it is our first full winter up here um, I am from Colorado, but the climate in Colorado varies so much. There are the Plains regions, which are um, the lower altitudes. That's the what you usually hear about when you hear about the Mile High City, that 5280 altitude. And uh, that's where I spent a majority of my life is in those Plains regions. And so usually about this time of year we start seeing those warmer temperatures we'll still get a frost we'll still get a snow but definitely not as much as we're seeing up here at this higher altitude and I did expect colder weather I did expect more snow um, as something to deal with but it kind of feels like winter this year is just holding on for dear life and it doesn't want to let go and wants to make sure that she makes her presence known and we will not miss her. <laughs> She's going to throw everything she has at us. Um, one thing that Mr. Handsome did did mention in a, as a way of consoling me was that the birds that survived the, the winter, the cold, um, and they survive the pecking order those are going to be stronger birds they're going to be of hardier stock kind of the survival of the fittest kind of thing going on here 
and so next year when it the winter does hit we know that the birds we have left are going to be really strong and really hardy so that is a plus side but yeah I wanted to give you guys an update on the birds so we have two turkeys left we have six meat birds and we have 20 I'm sorry 30 we have 29 layers still so um, I'm, I'm kind of tired so I'm not going to do the math on that real quick but um, that's what we have left so send your send your energy to my birds and hopefully we can keep them warm and get them to where they can be fat and happy and healthy so let's jump into this week's topic we're talking about growing and growing in difficult places um, like I said we're I'm from the plains of Colorado um, the more plain regions and so I'm used to things um, being able to be put in the ground a lot sooner and in planning our garden for this year I did I did look into what zone we were in and what plants are good for that zone. Now, when I'm talking about a zone, I'm talking about the USDA plant hardiness zones. And what happened is the USDA created a map based on average low temps throughout the United States. These zones are numbered zero being the coldest and 13 being the warmest and 13 is the highest that you can get um, on these zones so for example Puerto Rico is zone 13 so the lowest average temp in Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico wow I can I can talk the lowest for example the lowest zone wow the lowest average temperature in Puerto Rico is 60 or 70 degrees Fahrenheit. And that translates to about 15 and a half to 21 degrees Celsius. So in addition to mapping out these general zones, um, the USDA plant hardiness zones also take into account major cities. And these are zoned a little bit different because dense population does affect how cold things are. Um, so, like, if there's more people in the room, obviously the the average low temperature of that room is going to be a lot higher than if there's one person in a room. And it, oddly, I mean, people don't think about this, but it does work the same for just how in having dense populations in cities if you think about it we're, we have more vehicles more homes f burning fossil fuels we the actual body temperature of humans and our animals just different things like that it does affect the weather and it does affect um, those temperatures so just because your city lands in a zone 5 is not necessary if you're in a large city does not necessarily mean that that is going to be your zone so you want to um, check out the USDA's 
party in his zones to see what your zone is and that will help you choose plants and not just choose plants but also it helps you plan when you're going to do um, some of your some of your gardening um, here in Colorado we are between a 5a and a 6 or a 7 um, B now so that is a very wide range um, so the area of Colorado that we used to live in um, was zone 6a so the lowest average temperature was negative 5 to negative 10 Fahrenheit and we never really dipped below 10 degrees in that area I mean it, it's rare for us to, in, when we were at our old place it's rare for us to see anything um, below 10 degrees and the growing season was a lot longer it was almost double what the growing season is up here and the altitude there was about um, 5,800 feet so we're talking about an ascent of 3,000 feet almost 4,000 feet um, from where we used to live to where we are now where we are now we are hardiness zone 5b and so our um, our lows will get closer to 15 to 20 negative um, Fahrenheit and our growing season is only about 71 days and I really didn't think about all of this um, until after I planted her or after we planned our garden so we brought up a lot of similar plants that we grew um, in the plains and they are winter hardy so they'll be able to grow up here okay they'll do they'll do well but um, we planned to do boxes growing boxes or raised um, raised beds in um, garden boxes that mr. Hansen's going to build me um, so what we did was for in bulk which is on February 1st we um, little man and I and mr. Hansom sat down and we planted our we started our indoor starts because we were planning on putting those in the ground outside over Memorial Day weekend now when we've done this before we did warming pads and a I believe it was a south-facing window is where we put our seeds and we ended up actually losing most of our seeds um, we, we lost I would say we lost about 75% of our indoor starts when we did this in the plains so we wanted to grow we wanted to give our seeds a little more time so we decided to do it on in bulk and um, our seeds took the blessing of in bulk and ran with it so we have a basically a forest going in our little 
greenhouse slash cabin. And it's so cool to see all of these seeds thriving. Well, the problem is I didn't look into this enough and I didn't look at our frost date because I'm, I'm used to the frost date being memorial. Um, and so we have all of these wonderful seeds that are thriving and doing great and grand, but I won't be able to put them in until June, almost July. So um, that was one of the mistakes that I made. And again, this this podcast is about our learning experience moving from the plains to the mountains and how different things are up here and so I'm encouraging all of you before you uh, when you move and you're planning on your garden you're planning your garden and you're planning your seed start dates and things like that definitely check your almanac that um, farmer's almanac and if you are like me I use Llewellyn's um, witch almanac every year also and there's also uh, Llewellyn has a uh, witch's calendar which kind of doubles up as an almanac as well and um, I definitely suggest that you guys use those as your resources to decide when you're going to plant. So this year we are doing our indoor starts. We have going cabbage, broccoli, um, uh, tons of peppers. We have Anaheim peppers, Serrano peppers, ghost peppers, reapers, two different types of uh, jalapenos, and habaneros and we because our family we love spicy foods so we definitely wanted a lot of peppers um, and then we have celery going and we have a lot of our flowers we started inside and um, we have tomatoes we have basil rosemary sage thyme um, Wormwood is one of the things that we planted, bergamot, and um, a few other things, and I can't remember off the top of my head, but most, we got a pretty good yield. Some of the peppers we did have to plant again to, um, because our seeds didn't come in. Uh, oh, hatch chilies are the other things that we did plant. Um, so we, after about a month or two after in bulk, so I want to say middle of March, we went back through and we planted some because we had used some old seeds and we had, um, some things that just didn't come up, but, um, for the most part, we got pretty good yield. Um, on our indoor starts so now because we started in the little um, starter packs the little um, soil trays that you can get most of our vegetables and most of our starters have outgrown those and we have roots coming out of the bottom of those trays so what I've been spending the last couple of weeks doing is going in when I have some spare time and transplanting those into bigger pots. And so 
I'm hoping so far a lot of those have taken the transplant really well and they're still thriving and so what I'm hoping will happen is by the time June comes around we'll have these really sturdy healthy plants that we'll be able to put into our boxes and get some really good yield out of them since we have in essence elongated our growing season by doing these indoor starts another thing that we did different um, this year is that we added grow lights so we have four grow lights total they're the long tube ones and so there's two we have most of our plants broken up into two sections and so there's two in each section and we are running those grow lights um, about 12 out 12 to 14 hours a day and I believe that's what's also helping our plants grow and be so hardy and one thing with peppers is peppers like really warm areas so the cabin is set at 65 degrees we keep it at 65 degrees at all times and then we are we also have the heating pads and then we keep the peppers on the heating pads so that they just stay slightly warmer the heating pad usually keeps it about 5 to 10 degrees warmer than the ambient temperature so those peppers are usually about 70 to 75 degrees and um, that just helps them thrive and just live their best life and give off their best warm energy and I'm really excited about the peppers this year now as I'm looking at these indoor starts and I'm looking at the weather last week we got another foot of snow that we were not prepared for so I'm looking at these two things and I'm talking to Mr. Handsome about our plants and different things and we're watching our favorite YouTubers, our favorite homesteaders. We decided that it would probably be probably be a good idea to do a hoop house this year. And Mr. Handsome was going to build me a absolutely gorgeous greenhouse, but this year it's not really practical to do that. And so what we've decided is we are going to take an existing section of our our yard area and I, there's already rail ties there it's already measured out and different and it's just it's in a really good place for sun so we've decided to take that area and turn that into a hoop house and we got the idea um, watching a couple of people one of them is roots and refuge um, because she was talking about vertical gardening and using things like cattle grate and um, and fencing to teach your plants to grow up and I really liked the look of the cattle grate as an arch for things like um, squash and melons and then that kind of led one thing led to another. And Mr. Hanson has a couple of people that he follows that I don't um, follow on YouTube. And so he found a really good resource for a hoop house that looks really nice. Initially, I didn't want a hoop house because usually when you see them, they kind of look, you know, half thrown together with whatever material was lying around. And I do want an aesthetic on the farm 
that is just very pleasing that helps my energy when I have things that look like they're purposeful and not just kind of thrown there and we found a couple of designs that looked really good and so the plan is next weekend we will have we're expecting two more days of snow this week but by the weekend there should be enough sunny days to give us some uh, some very good melt off and over the weekend we plan to build the hoop house and what I'll start doing is I'll start hardening off the um the indoor starts and I'm going to do this by bringing them out for a few hours each day and just doing that a little bit longer a little bit longer a little bit longer and I'm not going to harden them off directly outdoors because I'm going to give them a lot of time in the greenhouse to start to thrive in the greenhouse before I take them out and put them into the main garden since we do have another month that we didn't account for um, so there's a couple of things that go into this decision one is the moon cycle so we are currently waxing uh, moon cycle we are in the lovely first quarter moon cycle and by next weekend we will be right on a full moon and so I'm really wanting to get them out before it's that the full moon rolls over and starts to wane so that they can get some really good moon energy this way they can soak up all of that beautiful moon energy and it'll start pouring into them and they'll be able to just start to thrive a little more and start relying more on the natural cycle of things and then we'll have them in the um, greenhouse from next week um, which is April 26th, 27th-ish. Um, we'll have them in the greenhouse from then until um, same time in June. And so starting June 23rd to 20th, um, I will start doing a diff another harding hardening off. And so I will take them from the greenhouse and I will put them in the beds that they will be planted in eventually and by doing this for a few hours every day they'll get acclimated to the part of the property that they're going to be on they'll get acclimated to direct sunlight so they won't start bleaching they won't start burning or getting like getting sunburned and things like that and um, again they'll start feeling the rhythm and cycle of that part of the property and the energy and they'll be able to really soak that up and I'm going to start that hardening process um, a week before the full moon in June and that again so that they can get used to that cycle so I'm really excited 
about where all of this is going and excited about the success that we've had with our indoor plants. I'm a little worried about having such a short grow window. Um, but again, we have the hoop house, which will help extend that and we'll probably do the initial harvesting in fall, but I'll start uh, indoor starts again here, um, in June and, um, then we'll be able to put those in the greenhouse and then we'll have also, so we'll have a, a summer harvest and a fall harvest and we'll be able to move those out a little bit and have some extra supplies and some extra food going into the barren part of fall and hopefully that will get us through winter. Um, another thing that we're doing to help with the growing season is we're going to make hoops, hoop tops for the boxes as well. So that way we can create a warmer climate in the boxes and that will extend our growing um, season as well. So we'll be able to have some things in the greenhouse. We'll be able to have a little bit longer growing season in the boxes before we have to um, winterize them and pull everything out of them. Um, but we got some things that are plan being planned now and we're really excited about that. That's kind of where we are here on the homestead. And I did get a question last week, and so I want to address those questions real quick. They are from Danielle Shannon, a wonderful listener. So she asked, are we going to be selling our eggs, and are we also going to be selling um, meat from our meat birds? And our idea right now is that we are going to take see how many eggs our birds provide whatever we have in um, surplus we are going to sell and I would like to do an egg program where it I'm going to look at market prices and compare them to ours but probably you know somebody pays a monthly fee and they can come and get a dozen eggs per week for that monthly fee um, and so we'll take slots, um, and those slots will be limited because they will, we, we can only provide what our girls can provide. And I don't want to promise or charge somebody for eggs that we may not get. So, um, we will see how many eggs those girls our girls produce and then we will sell according accordingly um, but we are planning to sell the excess eggs that we, my family doesn't eat additionally we are planning on selling some of our meat birds um, and this year we're not planning on selling a lot of our meat birds because we are being a little more conservative with what we've purchased so far um, we do still have the um, kosher kings that are coming and those are set to ship around may 4th and so we should get them by this by may 6th or 7th and then they usually are um 
ready for processing about nine to 12 weeks later. So we're going to see how well they do. Um, and if that's a breed that we want to continue with, or if we want to try a different breed. So, um, we're just kind of feeling that out, but we do, we will be selling a few of those birds and we have already a couple of people who are willing to purchase our birds. So we're really excited about that as well. The idea of our homestead is that eventually we want it to be self-sufficient so that we are bringing in an in income that will take care of our family so that we can take care of our property and we can take care of our livestock and just go from there. And this is a way of life that is very important to us. We want to return to this simpler type of living. It's a little stressful, but I wouldn't trade it for the world and I'm actually enjoying it. This is a great part of the new chapter in our life. And um, again, we're just going to share these things with you as we go along. Thank you so much for joining us this week. And we look forward to seeing you all next week and to share our new adventure. I'm sure we're going to get into something this week. I'm not quite sure exactly what we're going to do next week as an episode, but I do want to express my gratitude for all of you who have listened. If you want to find us on social media, we have Instagram, Witchywood Farms, and we are also on Facebook at Witchywoods Farming. You have to add the ING on that one. Um, and we just want to share our lives with you. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.